We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here in this moment be pleasing in your sight. Our, our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Uh, for all you kids out there, how many days until Christmas? Three. Uh, yeah, two to Christmas Eve, three till Christmas Day. Uh, and when you're a kid, especially Christmas Day is the big deal. At least it was in my house. Uh, you might get to open a gift on Christmas Eve or maybe a few, but Christmas Day was the big deal. And, and the buildup, the lead up to Christmas Day, the anticipation was always so strong, it, it could almost knock you over, right? Uh, I see that in my own kids. Uh, a few weeks ago, they had a Christmas shop at school. They go to our awesome school here at St. John, and uh, they, they went to the Christmas store, and, and they bought gifts for each other and also for, uh, for me and Joss, and uh, they all came home, and they went to their rooms, and, and they wrapped up the presents and wrote names on them and put them under the tree. And uh, you remember, if, if you're older, if you're a kid, you know how this is, how the anticipation increases exponentially not when the Christmas tree's up, but when the Christmas tree starts to have presents under it. And you know that feeling when you look down under the Christmas tree and you see presents with your name on them. Wow, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Uh, in fact, in our house, it is. Uh, in our house, uh, the anticipation for our four-year-old son, Corbin, is almost proving too much this year. Um, so his sisters, you know, went to this Christmas store. He did too, and they wrapped up the presents. And ever since he saw presents under the tree with his name on them, he's, he's going out of his mind with, uh, with anticipation and excitement. Um, we, we had to convince him that, you know, Christmas presents are not babies that need to be carried around the house. Like, you know, leave them under the tree. Um, and, and he keeps wanting to talk about them and get hints and clues. And we said, no hints, no clues. Um, and then the other morning we got up and we were walking out to the living room and uh, where the Christmas tree was, and I heard him saying, I heard him saying, and, and he's got this, he's got this great uh, voice, it's way too deep and raspy for uh, his age, and, and he kind of, you know, he's, he's four, he can't say all of, his, all of his consonants right, so I hear him saying as we're walking to the living room, I'm going to stick my finger in that present and tear it a little so I can see what it is. Some of you tried that, right? And some of you kids just got an idea. Um, and, and I heard him say that, and I said, you're going to do what? And, uh, and he looked at me with this look of shock and horror, because I don't think he even knew he was saying that out loud. <laughs> I, I think the anticipation had gotten so strong, he was just out of his mind, and so we, we had to talk about that. Um, but man, it, it is so awesome to watch him and, uh, you know, our other kids be so excited about Christmas Day because it takes me back. It helps me remember. But, but here's what I also know from my own experience is that come Christmas Day, all of those presents will be torn apart. There'll be wrapping paper all over the floor. There'll be presents in a neat box or a neat stack, rather, uh, uh, sit, sitting to the side. And, and likely, likely, if it goes anything like it has in the past, Corbin will be running around the house playing with a toy that he's had for three years. Because that's how it goes sometimes in life, right? Sometimes the anticipation, sometimes the buildup, sometimes the wait can be as good, if not better, than the fulfillment if we do it right. Today we're going we're gonna to talk about Mary. We heard a song about her and just, you know, getting inside of her head. I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? 
uh, getting inside of her head and just kind of wondering what she must have thought. And today we're going to look at Mary and how she used the weight in her life and how she found joy in the present moment. Uh, So we're going to get really close to the birth story of Jesus now because it's almost Christmas. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. So you can open up a Bible. Uh, You can take out your smartphone and go to uversion.com, or you can just follow along up here on the big screen. Uh, The Bible verses will be up here as well. So Luke uh, chapter 1, rather, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, you heard about Elizabeth last week from Pastor Howard. She's a a relative of Mary's, uh, a woman who was well along in years, childless, who God gave a a, a surprise pregnancy. And her child, who was going to be the cousin of Jesus, would be the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. So in the sixth month of, of that event, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So, so right away, um, you know, Mary has an angel standing before her. But what she's troubled about is not just the angel's presence, It's his words. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And and Mary's thinking, me? Who, who, me? I'm highly favored. The Lord is with me. Is this this a trick? Is this a trap? Is this a test? What am I supposed to say? And this isn't just false modesty. Uh, Mary was a genuinely humble girl, but she she knew that she was nothing special. She's from a small town that no one had ever heard of, and and she's no one of esteem. And yet there's a powerful lesson for us here, not only about humility, but there's a powerful lesson in God's favor for all of us here. See, Mary understood that, that she was not one who was anything special, and yet she was favored. And the same is true for all of us, that we are people who are highly favored, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Because he is a God who loves to favor people. He made us to live under his favor. And day by day, he wants to bring us more closely under his favor. So so these words could apply to all of us, that we are highly favored. And it's not about us. It's about God, who he is and what's in his heart to do. And and so Mary hears this greeting, and she's troubled, uh, and then it goes on. But the angel said to her, hey, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, there are some names here that you might not know. Uh, David, King David, Jacob, who's he? Uh, But all of these are messianic titles. These are words that the prophets use to describe the, the one who would come In the name of the Lord, the Christ, the long-expected one. And so even if you don't know who all those people are today, that's okay. But Mary knew. She knew exactly what the angel was saying. She knew exactly what this meant. It meant that she was going to give birth to the Christ, the Messiah. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin, her mind is blown. And the angel answers, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, 
is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I love this. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Gosh, can you imagine what it must have felt like as the angel left and Mary's left there alone? Can you imagine what must have just filled her mind, the the anticipation and the expectation, all of the waiting that she would have to do? I mean, this is big news, right? This is her first baby. Not only is it a a virgin birth, a miraculous birth, but, but this is her first baby, which is a big enough deal for people generally. I mean, if, if you've had kids, you remember, don't you, exactly where you were the, the moment you heard that you were going to be a father or a mother. Uh, you, you remember the, looking at that pregnancy test or, or hearing what a doctor said or getting a call. I mean, you remember, don't you? Your first child is a huge deal. Uh, some of you haven't experienced it yet, but, but you know it's a big deal. And some of you have experienced it vicariously through someone else. You know what a big deal it is. And so many of us have experienced uh, what Mary is about to experience. We can relate on some level. This, this long nine-month wait for a baby to come. And yet everything's going to be different for Mary. It's not going to be like our wait at all. I mean, first off, Mary can't go out and tell her friends. Uh, she has no ultrasound picture to place on Instagram, right? She can't do that. And, and, and even if she could, even if those things existed, um, she, she, she couldn't tell anyone. To tell people would to put, be to uh, put her own life at risk because uh, she was in violation of Hebrew law. Uh, she was an unmarried woman who was with child. This, this wasn't a good thing. Over those nine months, she'd be met not with celebration and joy from everyone around her, but with whispers and scandal and accusations and uh, attacks against her character. Things that were not true, but things that she could not refute or deny. Things that she just had to suffer through in silence. Think about those long nine months where there would be no books to read, no what to expect when you're expecting, uh, no baby story on TLC, no, uh, no, no uh, pregnancy journals, no baby showers, none of that stuff. I mean, God didn't even give her the chance to pick out a name, you know, no baby name books. He said his name's going to be Jesus. She couldn't even do that. She couldn't spend nine months trying to pick out the perfect name. She just got to wait. Wait for this child to come. And it says that Mary believed, in spite of all of this craziness, she believed, and, and, and she believed that at the end of nine months she would have a child and that this, this child would be special. Uh, but for me, the, the remarkable thing, the remarkable wait wasn't the nine months that Mary had to wait for Jesus to actually come into the world. The more remarkable wait was something that, that the angel said in verse 35, I believe it was, Um, the more remarkable wait was this. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. See, see, that is the wait that would get to me if I were Mary. Not the nine months to, to hold the baby in your arms, but the wait that ensued after where she waited for people to proclaim what she knew, that this child wasn't just her child, 
that this child was the Holy One. This child was the Son of God. I mean, can you imagine how Mary must have felt knowing that secret, believing a promise that no one else knew, that no one else believed? And can you imagine just just the anticipation she must have felt for the day that she would be vindicated, for, for the day that everyone would know what she knew, that this was not an ordinary child, but this child was the Holy One, the Son of God. See, that was truly the great weight that Mary had to endure for her son to be recognized for who he really was. And if you know the Gospels, you know that it took much, much longer than Mary expected. Uh, Most scholars believe Jesus began his ministry at age 30. Can you imagine those 30 years of waiting I mean, just play this forward from the time Jesus was born on. I mean, can you imagine Mary uh, sitting there with, with uh, infant Jesus when he made his first dirty diaper thinking, you're the son of God, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> At least I was hoping, right? Or, or the first sleepless night that she had when Jesus was up for no good reason. She might have called him names then. I doubt son of God was one of them. Uh, can you imagine the test that Mary might have given him along the way? Just, just getting impatient with the fact that, that he wasn't revealing himself to be who he really was. You know, p- putting, uh, putting water before him at breakfast and saying, Oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, we're all out of juice. Here's some water. Let's see what you can do with this. <laughs> You'll get it later. It's okay. Um, I mean, can you imagine the 30 long years that she waited and then finally he begins his ministry and, and, and she's even confused at the beginning of his ministry because it's not going exactly how she thought. So she has to wait 30 years for him to start his ministry and then, and then at, most, at most Jesus had a three-year ministry and, and so then by the time he's 33 he was gone. And in fact, w- when Mary finally heard people saying what the angel promised they would say when when she finally heard people calling her son the Holy One, the Son of God. It happened at the foot of the cross. I mean, imagine her disappointment when she finally heard those words, but they were out of the mouth of a Roman centurion who was standing at the foot of the cross after Jesus breathed out his last breath. Because then the earth shook and the sky was dark and the centurion said, truly this man was the Son of God. Finally! Finally! too late. Jesus had already given up his life. All that waiting. See, I think for all of us here, there's a great risk that because of our inability to enjoy the present moment that, that we might miss out on life. We are so bad at living in the present, aren't we? I mean, by and large, I know I am either because we're holding on to stuff in the past. You know what this is like, don't you? And you're in a moment and uh, you're experiencing joy. You're truly enjoying that moment. Then all of a sudden there's this little reminder of something in the past. Some past failure, some mistake, some, some guilt, some shame, some fear that, that comes into your present and robs your joy. For a lot of us, it's, it's not the past though. It's, it's the future. Uh, We have a hard time enjoying the present moment because uh, we're we're always wishing for the next thing, for the next step, the next big moment, waiting to be vindicated, waiting for God's plan to move forward. And if we're not careful, our anticipation can be so strong that we end up missing out on life. It's like the the song, uh, The Cat's in the Cradle. 
You know that song, right? Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, Little Boy Blue and the Man in the Moon. You, you know it. If not, if you're too young to know it, go home and YouTube it. It's a really cool song. It talks about a dad who misses it, just misses out on life, and then passes on that same viewpoint to his son. You know, whether it's Christmas that you're waiting for, you just can't wait for it to get here, whether it's uh, graduation, whether it's marriage, whether it's your first child, whether it's Christmas break or a, a sabbatical or even retirement, we, we find ourselves in such a hurry that if we're not careful, someday we will have cleared all the hurdles, we, have, we will have made all the transitions, and we will find ourselves with nothing left to anticipate, with life essentially over, and we will have missed out on living. And then, you know, and then what we're going to think, we're going to think, why did I rush it? Why didn't I enjoy the present moment? Why didn't I stop and smell the roses? For some of us, it's not um, that we are rushing into the future. Some of us, we fear the future. Some of us, even as we're, we're enjoying a moment, the, the moment that happens, our, our mind gets flooded with all of these bad thoughts of what could happen. You know, life is going too well. Something bad has to happen soon. We live life waiting for the other shoe to drop. Things are going too good. It it can't go on like this forever. I wonder what's going to happen. There are so many things that rob our joy from the present moment. And you know what, Mary, she, she had to deal with all those things. I mean, if she searched the scriptures, if she read things like Isaiah 52 and 53, words of prophecy that would describe how the Messiah would suffer, I mean, her heart must have been filled with dread when she looked at Jesus. Both an expectation and an anticipation of when he would be revealed, but fear of what would happen to him. And yet, and yet we know that Mary eventually learned, in spite of all of her circumstances, in spite of all the craziness, she learned how to enjoy the present moment. In the, in the very next scene here in Luke, you can look at it later today when you go home, uh, she goes to Elizabeth's house, her cousin, and the moment she steps into Elizabeth's house, she bursts into song, a song of praise and joy in spite of everything crazy that's happening to her, all of the uncertainty, all of the dread, all of the anticipation. She sings a song of joy at what God is doing in her life now. And, and you know, if, if I could give something to all of us here today, which I can't, God, God can, but I can't, it would be that you would leave today with that kind of attitude that no matter what's going on in your life, whether it's, whether it's something uh, joyous that you're looking forward to or if there's something that you're dreading, my hope is that you could leave this place finding joy at God's favor in this present moment. And and here are a few things that I want to offer to you that might help uh, learning how to enjoy the present moment. The first thing is this, use the weight to connect with others. When you're sitting in a waiting room in life, uh, if you look around, there will be people a lot like you in the same waiting room waiting for the same thing. Often what we do is, is we just kind of sit there with our magazine and wait alone, but, but there's something powerful that can happen when we're in those waiting moments, and, and that is that we, we, we turn ourselves to the people sitting next to us, and we begin to connect with them. Uh, when you're waiting for something in life, and you, and you can do this, you, you can turn yourself towards others who are waiting for the same thing. It's powerful, and it will help you enjoy that moment. I remember when uh, Joss and I, we were um, waiting for our first child to be born, and we went to our first birthing class. And, and you all know how annoying um, parents are who are expecting their first child, right? You just want to talk about it with everyone. And people who have had kids, they understand, and so they humor you. They think it's cute. And your friends who haven't had kids yet, they're like, oh, seriously, if you talk about this baby anymore, you know, like, 
and uh, so we showed up at our first birthing class, and, and we were suddenly surrounded by people who were in the same waiting room as us, and it was so much fun to connect with them. People who, who were feeling what we were feeling, all the joy and the anticipation, it was incredible. You know, we've got an organization here called Mothers of Preschoolers that we sponsor at, at St. John, and it's, it's moms who've got young kids who, who are waiting in so many ways, and, and there's so many frustrating things about that season of life, and yet what MOPS does is simply this. It, it turns people who are waiting for the same thing in the same waiting room toward each other so they can connect with each other, and, and they make these bonds that last a lifetime. It's incredible. Uh, you know, that's what my Ironman group does. If you don't know about Ironman... Here, it's not exercise. Uh, it's just a network of men's groups. And I'm in a group with other guys who have young kids and just this power of connecting with others while we're, while we're waiting, you know. There's a lot of frustrating things you can't do when you've got young kids and uh, you're a dad, but, but we're learning to enjoy the wait with each other. There's power in connecting with others. And if you can learn to do that while you're waiting, it will make the wait so much more enjoyable. That's what Mary did, right? She went down and she saw Elizabeth next. Elizabeth, this woman who was also pregnant, her, her relative who understood that God was doing crazy things in Israel. She ran down there right away to connect with someone who understood. There's power in doing that. Uh, there's also power in learning to use the weight to connect with God. Uh, Mary must have been searching the scriptures because um, she, she spouts off scripture in the next section, which shows that she's making some connections in her mind. And uh, isn't it true in your life too? That those seasons of waiting, those seasons of anticipation, uh, those seasons where, where you're just kind of waiting on the Lord, you, you can't go forward, those are some of the most incredible moments of, of, of prayer, and just sweet moments of prayer, uh, incredible moments of Bible study. Only speaking for myself, I can tell you that the greatest moments of prayer and study and connection with God didn't happen in a seminary classroom. They've almost always happened when I was waiting, and I had nothing else to do than to connect with, with God, and, and I don't even want to know where my, my life, my relationship, where my faith would be in God without those moments. They're so powerful that it almost makes you sad when they end. You can use the weight to connect with God. Uh, you can use the weight to dream about outcomes. You know, I love to do this. I love to dream about, I wonder how things are going to work out. You know, when I was leaving seminary, it was like, I wonder what church I'm going to end up in. And, you know, there's all kinds of anticipation. And, and uh, what, what I like to do sometimes in those moments is I like to journal. And here's why I like to do it. Uh, because I like to wonder what God is going to do. And, you know, I put my best foot forward and I dream big dreams and I write it down. And I love to go back and compare that to what God has actually done. And here's what I find. That even though what God has done would not necessarily have been what I would have chosen or that I wanted God to do, uh, time and time again, I, I see that as I'm dreaming my big dreams, God big, dreams bigger dreams for my life than I can dream for my own life. Uh, that that God's, uh, God's, God's favor is so much greater than anything I could imagine. And you know what? That makes the wait a lot of fun. To just, just to dream, but to hold those things loosely. And, and then to compare to see how God one-ups your ability to dream how we can do so much more than you'd ever expect. Uh, you can use the weight to breathe in the present moment. Uh, sometimes when, uh, when something great's going on, I do what a lot of us do. I, I reach for my phone, you know, and I grab to take a picture or a video. It's always right there. What I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to train myself sometimes to, to put the phone down and just to take a mental picture. Do you know what I mean? 
uh, just to step outside of the situation for a minute and just to take it in. Uh, That's what I'd call breathing in the present moment. Uh, Just meditating on the goodness of God right now where I am. You know, whether it's me wrestling with my kids on the floor and all of a sudden just having a moment of going, you know what, it is not going to be like this forever. Someday my son's going to be bigger than me and I won't be able to pin him down and I'm just going to enjoy this moment and, and, I, and I just try to take it in. And, y- you know, the Psalms have a lot to say about doing just that. I mean, you get the sense that the psalmists do this. They, they walk outside and they just, they, they take this picture, this video in their mind and they say, the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth displays his handiwork. It's a great way to pass the time while you're waiting and to bring incredible joy into your present moment. But, but you know what I think is key above all, at, at least for me, all of these may be helpful to you. At least one of them should be helpful. The key for me is this, is learning that life is not one big test. See, I think this is what steals so much of our joy so often. That while we're living life, when we're in a moment, we, we automatically assume that, that every step we take is a pass-fail kind of step. We assume that, that, you know, if I step here and if I step rightly, God's favor will be with me, his blessing will be with me, I will please him. But if I step wrongly, if I step over here, maybe this takes me out of God's favor and puts me in a bad place and and I'm going to be paying for it for the rest of my days. And while it's true that sometimes God does test us, he doesn't tempt us, but he tests us, and certainly the steps we take in life have consequences, It is not true that God is just having us live life waiting for us either to pass or fail, to prove ourselves or to fall down. That's not what God's point for life is. It's not just about testing us. See, if you go back to the beginning, God's intention for life back in the Garden of Eden was that we would know wholeness and fullness and abundance. His intention for us is that we would know life living under his great favor as people like Mary who are highly favored. And so often uh, we make so much of life in, in every decision and step we take and we take ourselves so seriously and, and you know, I'm the guy who wants to do better and, and I, I want to be faithful and, and that's all good, that's all fine. But, but when we think of life only as a test, we miss out on the favor of the present moment. We miss out on simply belonging and being and living under the favor of a great God who gave his son to to pass all the tests that we could never pass so that we could know with assurance that we have passed, we are approved, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done. That all of our failures are are removed, all of those those bad grades are taken away, and and we are now free to be favored children of God. See, see, I, I think if we could remember that, that it's not about our performance in life. That's not what God cares about most. What God cares about most is that we would live and receive this great gift that he's given us. And so, you know, here you are a couple days from Christmas. And some of you, you're all ready and you're ready to go and you're excited. And I would just say, pause. You've got a couple of days before Christmas. Learn to enjoy this moment. Don't run ahead to that moment. You can be excited about it, but also learn to enjoy what God is going to do in your life today. Live under his favor today. And there are some of you who uh, you, you are panicking about Christmas because you're not ready and you've got guests coming and you've got meals to make and you've got presents to buy and wrap. And I would also say to you, just pause. Christmas will be Christmas 
regardless of how well prepared you are. And just take this moment to breathe in the favor of God, to enjoy what God has done, what God is doing in your life today. After all, as someone once said, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift of God, which is why we call it (laughs) the present. Amen. Please stand.